Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It was it's available from Chaosium. I am the seeker boy. I am the keeper of the secrets, and this is episode 28. Our recap will be given by David Gassaway as his character, Dr. Roland Kurz. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. David. Thank you, Tom. I think it's safe to say that we shall all miss the journey of the dream drain. We tasted there the finest wine that the universe has on offer. We made friends. We suffered loss as well. I shall hope to meet the chef de train Henri in dream again, if not aboard the brave and strange Mimi. But we have relinquished our passage on that strange conveyance. As we approached the vasty deep of the Gulf of Nodens, we were again attacked. The damned machinations of Madame Bonneval and her implacable enemy, again endangering many others. We fended off the dread Shantaks, who were helped by the unthinkable night gods, and the ghoul Guillaume found redemption. In the pitch of battle, the alien Meronmir had the chance to avenge some of the wrongs done to and through him, attacking the Shantak riding wizard, and the heartstone ruby that caused so much terror fell at my feet. I sought to utilize the gem in some way, and in fact, blazing rays came out of it, burning the Barnaval and her foe into nothingness. As in a pa passage from a novel by Frank Baum, we said goodbye to the many strange creatures we met aboard the Dreamland Express. We tossed our burdens into the abyss and awoke in our Orient births, arriving in Venice. The ruby heart came from the dreams with me. In Venice, we hired an Arishat's assistant, Giorgio. He informs us that the church we sought burned down in the 16th century. We went to find a convent that may have contained records from the church and found that it is now, of all things, a naval technical school. That trail is cold, but it is early days. The news from Milan was mysterious. The authorities there are blaming unnamed unionists for the trouble at La Scala, and Facha's lifeless body was found mangled atop the Duomo. One more surprise has welcomed us here. When we returned from lunch to the hotel, we found that the securely locked arm and the torso were not in their cases, or even in one of the rooms they were left in, but aligned together in a reclining position on Dobrowski's hotel bed. And so you stand there looking down at these objects laying next to one another. I would like very much to separate them more completely, but I also fear that they must remain in our possession. I had the body locked in the trunk and it was still able to get out. I mean, I don't know what more we could do. Yeah, what type of force is, is at work here driving them together? How could we interrupt such a force? Perhaps we should stay in different hotels. As we, I fear that if two pieces can break locks and travel through bolted doors, 
then we have four or five pieces. It would be a independently acting automaton. Yeah. And who knows what type of increased power it may have if it's allowed to unite. I, I fear that if we don't keep them separated, it, it might get out of hand. You spot hidden as you guys are looking at these things. 87. 25 is a hard success. 41, which is a regular. So those of you who succeeded, you're looking at this, and I think as I ended last time, it doesn't all add up. What doesn't add up is the trunks containing your things do not seem to be damaged. The locks that were on them and or the chains, if you had chains on them, those things are destroyed. They've been, it's almost like they were pried open. Um, Both pieces are in one room. So in the one case, it would have had to have been taken out of the box and carried into the other room. Um, if these objects had blasted their way out of the trunks, the trunks would have been destroyed. The trunks are not harmed. So who knows what type of power these these pieces have at their disposal? Well, it looks more like somebody took them out of the trunk. Which is far more perplexing in a way ascribing some malignant magical property to them is easier to face than somebody breaking into our rooms knowing we have these things and just putting them together and not taking them also if i remember correctly uh block's door was found locked and intact only his trunk lock was broken so the box is broken the trunk is opened the Torso leaves the trunk. Is the window closed? It's January. Of course the window is closed. Is the window locked? The windows aren't necessarily locked, but uh, both of your windows, your windows open uh, into the Galleria. Wait, no, you're in, you're not in, uh, you're in Venice now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, outside your window, it's it's a good three-story drop down to the ground below. Um, well, there's, to be there's... fair, I picture the, the torso communicating mentally with the arm, mm-hmm. burst their locks, and the torso floats up over to the window, out around the building in the other window. I, this is madness, but I am no longer reliant upon the sound logic of my youth. Yeah, it could have just been someone uh, in the hotel that had a skeleton key that could have, you know, opened the doors. But which they, would explain what did they why they try door... the locks open with. Yeah, uh, can can I look at my trunk and uh, where the lock was pried open? Is there like you know, like if you use a wrecking bar to crow, it's going to kind of like damage the thing you're bracing it against. It it on your yours has a conventional lock, correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So on yours, it looks like something was jammed into the, you know, here's the top of the lock, here's the bottom. Something was jammed in there and broke open the lock. Uh, Uh, In the case of Dorian, he had a padlock on there and a chain. 
and it would it almost seems like something took both ends of the chain and just oh tore the uh the chain apart with the lock that's not an ordinary person i mean that they would have to have superhuman strength to or you could put like two crowbars in it and somehow bend it yeah again it's just so very odd because nothing else is missing right correct if i go check yeah this is specific and if nothing else was rummaged through so they they open very specifically these two items and somehow put them together for some unknown purpose and then left without well well the doors were locked they must be onto this though they must be attracted to the unusual power from the simulacrum because in in all of the encounters we've had with these it, it, it has had that unusual peculiar effect on us especially when we get really close to it so someone must be aware of this this isn't right, just a, why it, it, but why not take them? If you know you're here and you're going through all the trouble to break into the rooms and open these up, why just put them together? Do you think maybe they had something else in plan and we came back early and they had to leave? Oh, or maybe we interrupted them. Possibly, or it's just a display like... Ha, huh. we, we might we can get into your room. We can get to your artifacts. And this is why why go through all that trouble? These these people went all the way to to England to try to kill Smythe over this. I don't know why wouldn't they just take them or lay an ambush here to kill us? It must be a different party then. I completely agree with you, uh, Dr. Neruda. If it was the original culprits from uh, from Dr. Smythe's uh, encounter, then they would have just taken them. This might have been someone more maybe similar to ourselves who are following this for some reason. Maybe they, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's possibly a third party. Um, but it could, it sounds crazy, but it could just be the pieces, as we have discussed. It could just be them somehow doing this themselves. Yeah. I, all I know is, uh, I assume the doors have chains on them. Yeah, little, little things. Little, little chain little things, so. Yeah. yeah, so I, all I know is I'll be, tonight I'll be having my chain lock and the dresser pulled in front of the door. That way, if they can pick the lock that easy, they'll be able to get some rest. But, are we able to separate the pieces? Have we tried that yet? Yes, they're not attached to one another. They're just laying yeah. next to each other on the bed. And they're not gravitating towards one another. No, they were just laid in there like they were going to be a full body if you had them. Um, kind of like take out my handkerchief and kind of take the arm and pull it away. Does it feel like it? there's even a like a weak magnetism between, not, between the not, two None whatsoever. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, Gunther, you keep hold of the torso. I keep hold of them. And we we just maybe double lock, put something against the door, something against the window, see what happens. 
Yeah. As an experiment, might it be worth moving the pieces into different rooms? Couldn't hurt. Uh, overnight. If we believe that there is a human uh, involved in this and they know that you two have carried pieces and they come back for something, they did not take the ruby heart out of my sock drawer in my room, sits there in a handkerchief. True. Is, is the ruby heart to scale with the body's torso and arm? Or, and also, is the torso and the arm to scale with one another? The torso and the arm are to scale with one another. And the heart is a Valentine's heart, not like an anatomical heart. So, right. Oh, okay. the, um, you find the strangeness of the simulacrum now that you've, you're seeing it there laid out, that it seems to once again have this strange property that it looks familiar. And at the same time, it is in perfect proportion to you as well. I mean, it looks like your arm, your torso, except that it's very decorative and has all of this little arms inside of little arms inside of. And when you arms. say your, it means to each each of us individually. It looks when we when when I look at it, it it looks like my arm. Right. Oh, how very disturbing. Every, uh, all of the decorations, like I say, every vein, every mole that you might have is recreated by. So it's, it's entering, it's, it's echoing to us individually. It somehow oh, is doing that. Yes. Wow. This, this is, uh, and we're noticing this. It's like, my goodness, look, that's, that's the, the, the scar I had when I, well, and you and you and Dabrowski actually already noticed. You noticed it when you got the arm out of, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it changes point. color. It changes yeah. color from it. It turns purple in the dark, and it slowly turns back yeah. to white in the sun. It, it feels like we found the arm so such a terrible yeah. time ago. Now, with what Thursby oh, said, God. if he pointed out at the scar. But if it looks like my arm, I wouldn't have the same scar. So when he was pointing as it at it, and he's like, look at the scar. And I'm like, there's no scar there. Or did I see a scar? You're kind of right. It's, it's almost like in that instant that you look at it, the patterns rearrange themselves okay. to your perception. It's almost, it's almost like it exists. I mean, as much as an individual people's mind as it exists at all if that makes any kind of sense yeah and yet it well, feels like very delicate porcelain it's lightweight hmm. um, wow. it looks like you could shatter it by hitting it on the ground does it remain cool to the touch or does it warm up when held cold only like uh like porcelain what if you hold it long enough it'll it'll warm up Oh, I don't want to hold it long enough. No. That does no. bad things. So what do you think about moving them into different rooms? I, I think that's a good idea, but uh, I mean, the the chat, the torso is already kind of leaving an imprint on me and um, the checkerboard, almost like a checkerboard pattern on my chest. and Rash. Yeah. Rash, yeah. I just... I'm debating whether or not maybe I should stay with it and just change rooms with you without telling the front desk or 
hand the torso over to you and see if the rash starts healing on me. Yeah, I think that seems uh, an interesting experiment. We can find out. Uh, you have been uh, also suffering perhaps psychosomatic injuries with your arm, Dabrowski. You were having a hard time moving also the other day. Do you uh, feel better? I don't know. Am I, as I noticed, my balance is a little off as well. Uh-huh. You know, of course, poor uh, Marie and Pierre Curie poisoned themselves very thoroughly because they did not understand the potential effects of radium. They licked samples and slept with a bar of it beside them and so on. And uh, the cancer was very terrible. Well, I haven't been sleeping with the uh, torso. I've just had it in the chest. So what you haven't? I, I what what I hold the arm every night. I hold it tight. I don't really. The Sarnathians are not a group of, yeah. of a group of people no, one wants to emulate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't see. Well, I wouldn't usually want to depart with it, but obviously, since I've been more open with the sharing of these artifact. Maybe I can give, let Theodore keep it for the night in his room in the same chest. And... I would like to answer an unasked question, and that is you do not feel any particular psychological draw to the object. As far as you're concerned, it's just an object, but a, a, an important one. But you're not like my precious. <laughs> That's a thing. I, I I like it. So I keep the Yeah, so I, I will uh, I will um I will ask the concierge for some advice on uh an interesting, unusual, perhaps kind of uh, locking mechanism for my trunk. And we will see whether if we leave it alone for an hour, some mysterious force pops it open. Should we report this to concierge or hotel security, like saying, hey, look, our lock's been broken? I don't think so. I think I think uh, someone at the hotel is the one that, that let it in, or else the door lock would be messed up. I still don't understand the motivation to relock the hotel room door behind them after making this display. This is oh. why I again think of a non-human is agency. Yeah, is there any? I don't know. I I sound incredibly paranoid. So so bear with me. The only the only way to get in and out of the room without messing with the door locks is through the windows, which are not locked. But aha! If if I look out the window, I mean, is it? Is there are there lots of people like walking outside? Yeah. Is it like? Yeah, I mean just, it's not just, a huge amount of people. It's winter, but it is Venice, and just, just as Doctor Neruda says that, I rush to the closet in this room and throw the doors open. Okay, uh, you are instantly attacked by your winter coats, and uh, yeah, they, okay. just winter coats. I wanted to make sure we're all looking and wondering, we're looking to see if there's like a hole up above. Or... Yeah, just like if someone's still in the room, like maybe we really did catch them. Ah, yeah, there's uh, nobody in there. No, okay, all right. <laughs> your things seem to be completely undisturbed. Undisturbed. 
All right. Also outside, actually, now that I think about it, there's not a street outside. You're actually in Venice, so there's water lanes. So outside, outside the window, it's water. There's not people. Yeah, there's you know a little balcony where they might plant flowers or something, and but it's just a straight drop down to the water. Gondoliers and taxis. Okay, so when we move things around, is there a way to lock the windows? Sure, yeah. And that does bring up the question I need to ask is, how are you going to secure this, the simulacrum pieces from this point on? You've got a broken lock, both broken locks. Yeah, well, well that brings them in those trunks. I'm going uh, to uh, go back to my room, take up uh, some sort of bedclothes that are thick, uh, wrap up the torso, carry it into my room, Set it in a regular truck, set the regular lock on that trunk, and then go out into the city and find something sturdy for the okay. open. That is certainly possible. I mean, there are people traveling, so there will be places that sell trunks. And It is and a city of citizens also, so they will probably have perhaps even an interesting mechanism that is less common. Yeah. I want to take my trunk because... Well, it's my trunk. I want to take it to, I guess, a locksmith to repair the lock. Okay. As I recall, it's late afternoon, early evening. Yeah. It took us, I mean, we got in uh, at eight in the morning. We went to the library pretty soon, but we've had lunch and traveled for a couple of hours each way. I mean, I could do it, do it in the morning. I just don't want to take it on the train without it being locked. It's... Yeah, you could probably talk to the concierge and he could tell you where to find the locksmith. And... Yeah. A new chain and lock. Good tool. All right. So it's at this point, we'll say that it's early evening. Is there anything that you guys want to do before you eat? And once again, it is Venice, so it's beautiful. And yeah, I guess we would avoid another German restaurant so as not to attract any more black shirt attention. Um, have I had time to get a, a improved lock on my trunk, or will I have to wait till tomorrow also? Probably have to wait till tomorrow. That's fair. So yeah, maybe we'll eat close to the hotel and not uh, be out as long for things to move about. Okay. Um, so you all head out. Uh, um, what? Probably to dinner. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, did, I, when I did was um, before we head out. The uh, we we have closets, right? Correct. Okay, so probably wardrobes back then, right? Wardrobes. Okay, I'm yeah. so I'm just thinking. So if if we have the pieces separately uh, contained, mm -hmm. we put them in a closet or a wardrobe. Then we could shut that, and actually, no, no, this wouldn't work. Yeah, it would. Regardless, the, the I was just thinking of a way to try to see if something's opening it up. Yeah, ne never mind. Okay, carry on. Sorry. All right. Can we can we agree that there is peace and my rooms are farther down the corridor from each other? I want to increase the distance between the pieces and see. If yeah, at least at least one of our rooms in between us. Yeah, you could say yeah. You get the farthest rooms apart. Excellent. You can switch around if need be. Okay, so I, off you go into the night. I put a do not disturb sign, do not clean on my door. 
Por favore. Por favore, sì. Actually, I can add a, a detail in there. Your rooms were cleaned. Hmm. You probably did that in the daytime when you were out. The bed was made and such. The bed yeah, was I mean. made. The simulacrum laid on the bed, but the bed had been made underneath it. With a little yeah. chocolate next to the simulacrum. <laughs> I mean, have we even slept here? I mean, wouldn't have they probably. Oh, okay, yeah. So your beds were already, you haven't slept yeah. yet. So, yeah. So. I mean, we have, we've encountered already one person who, with a strain, vanished from a train. So there are ways to enter and leave spaces. Yeah. Beyond physical means. Yeah. Well, when we get to the restaurant, I'm going to look for a, a paper to catch up on the evening paper. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there'll be a picture of you standing next to the torso. Yeah. The They'll be like, who is this attractive man? Supernumerary <laughs> <laughs> steals show. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. end up you end up going out, you go out and you you have a nice meal. Uh you do get a newspaper and you look through it. You don't see any more news. Um the things going on in Milan are not that interesting to the people in Venice, but uh, they, they got one little thing in there yet yeah, this morning, this afternoon. Um, there is a lot of really lively nightlife that goes on, uh, especially around the area that you are. Um, you see people enjoying their evening. It's chilly. It's cold. There's no snow. But, um, uh, you know, the lapping of the water on the, the lake, you know, or on the, on the ocean, um, you do notice that that horrible sort of, you know, mucky smell, uh, it's gotten even stronger this evening. Um, the locals just kind of ignore it as they're going about their merry way. Um, you might hear a few people comment on it. That the water looks like there's a, some sort of oil slick on it. Um, and hopefully that the tide will wash it out in the middle of the night. Um, there are gondolas, there are water taxis, there are things going on all over. And there are pretty lights everywhere. So against the water, it's, it's actually a very charming and romantic looking city. But nothing in particular happens this evening. Is there anything you want to do before you return and go back and go to bed? I have read of a sherry called the Montiado that I wish to try while we are in town. They keep that in the vaults underground in a back corner. <laughs> People who go for it don't ever come back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think... Uh, I think uh, we want to be near the moved artifacts and see what becomes of them before we return okay. tomorrow to our Giorgio and see what he has found. So how how late do you stay out? How many hours did you want to stay away from the apartments or the, the rooms? I mean, it's, we went to get Italian. Those dinners can tend to take a few hours, I imagine. Yeah. So, at least a couple. Oh yeah, okay. say two and a half. Say Maybe. three, three hours. Yeah, three at times. Yeah. Okay. 
So we'll say that it's I will say that it's around ten when you get back. Um, there are a few people in the in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, there, of course, is like a cocktail a bar that's in there, and people are drinking, and there's a piano playing somewhere. It's actually quite charming, quite lovely. Um, whether you're tired or not, um, you can go up to your rooms. Uh, nothing seems to have been disturbed. Everything is right where you placed it. I'm going to go down to the bar and uh, if there's seats around the piano player, sit there sure. and, and sip a sweet vermouth and try and uh, strike up just a casual conversation with someone with the goal of, hey, is this, does the water always kind of got this mucky smell or is that just the season? Well, it, it could be the season, Senor. It, it seems that... Uh, of late, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, muck coming up from uh, from the sea. Um, hopefully, it'll all. I mean, these things do happen occasionally, but it's particularly bad right now. It, it should uh, it should go away. Oh, that's good. It's my first time in uh, in Venice, and I'm just enjoying it. I'm just trying to 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 you know get a feel for for the city beautiful city lots of things to see have you uh have you visited uh, san marcos yet and seen the inside it's spectacular oh it's on our list yes we went went to the library it was amazing traveling with some bookworms you know that's why they're, ah. they didn't, that's why they didn't come down for a drink well you know he says there's a, there's a lot of beautiful museums and uh, uh, Venice is not the city that it used to be. It used to be the wealthiest city on the planet. And uh, all of these buildings, every one of them is different, you know, along the, along the canal. Um, the, the word in Italian is palace. They're palaces. These were extremely wealthy people. And uh, there's a lot of them that you can uh, you can just walk up, and for a, a very small fee, they'll let you wander about for a couple of hours inside oh. their their buildings. Uh, mostly the older ones that the uh, right. the families aren't living there anymore. But sometimes they will have a part of the house they live in, and they let the uh, the city maintain the rest of it because of its beauty and its art. But it's oh. quite a lot. You can have, you have something you could do every day for a thousand years here to look at. Wow. I, I think I will. Thank you. We'll enjoy your, your time. I shall. Anybody else drinking or? Nope. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, Gunter, you're coughing quite a bit and, and uh, sneezing. Yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, uh, and you, you end up going back up to your room. So everybody's just going to go to bed. Yeah, yeah I think for a bit. I have. I did took uh, the suggestion partially from Zosby to put the trunk that has the torso in the in the uh, wardrobe. With a, a chair in front of it, not so it will knock over if it opens. 
Okay. Not pocket, but so I would hear. All right. So I would like you to all do, we're, we're going to assume you've gone to sleep. I would like you all to do a, we're going to, we're going to do a spot hidden, but it's actually whether you're going to wake up. But Gunter, you have a penalty dice because you were drinking, so. Oh, a hard success. Ooh. Fail, fail. 93, I am, uh, I'm snug uh, as a bug. 11. Ooh, ooh, nice. ooh that's an extreme. Boom. I also got an extreme, I got an eight. Hmm. So, we're all sound asleep. The, the room is fairly, I mean, it's, it's comfortable. Uh, the beds are nice. It's an expensive hotel. About four o'clock in the morning, maybe a little bit before four, uh, those of you who passed, you're suddenly awoken by a strange noise. It sounds like a woman screaming somewhere. Uh, it's coming from outside your window and a ways off. But she's screaming something in Italian uh, over and over again as, I mean, you can't really tell unless you get up. Oh, yeah, I'll go to the balcony window. Swing it over. Yes, and I will say. Um, you might catch a glimpse, not right outside where you are, but across the channel, across the, the little channel, um, there's kind of a, a sidewalk border, you know, that goes along the, uh, the side and, and bridges. Um, a woman runs past and uh, she seems to be in absolute abject terror, just screaming at the top of her lungs, Muerta! Muerta! Dead, dead. And she's... Uh, she vanishes out of sight after just, you know, a couple of seconds, but you can still hear her yelling in the distance. Is there something chasing her? You don't see anything. So is she close enough to yell out? Do I see her? It's it, before you even think of it, she's already out of sight. Okay. There's so many turns and twists and things. Yeah. Okay. Darn. But you do see people's lights coming on here and there as they're also being awakened by her. How many stories are we in the hotel? We'll say you're three stories up. Right, yeah. So we could see her, but not great detail at all. Correct. Long lights only. Does one of you want to run down with me? I'd like to go out and uh, see. I will run down anyway, especially if she's uh, ran off one direction. I might... Dorian's head is to see what she was going on about and might go in the direction she came from. Okay, and I'll I'll join Dorian. Yeah. Okay, I'll stay here and watch to see if anything else follows, etc. And I will check okay. the also. Okay. Uh, um. The hell. So down you go. Um. You go out onto the side of the hotel, um, where there is a little bit of uh, walkway. Um. There are there are gondolas tied up, and there uh, there are still a few water taxis, but very few. And the lights of the city are, are there's not as many going on. Um, 
you're not really sure which direction she went. But did we see I mean, which direction she was running from, though? Because that um, would be where the death would be, probably. Um, yes. I mean, you've seen. Once again, it's just like from where. It could be any of 20 or 30 paths that she'd come before you looked. Oh, oh yeah. But are we seemingly are at the standstill. So I guess we'll, I'll just sort of, sort of be quiet there at the intersection where we saw her or I saw her okay. and just sort of hope for. You, you do start to like notice it. a few other people have come out to look around. Um, but after a few minutes, most people just go back in, you know. Uh, yeah, there was something, something gets strange, don't you think? Yeah. Sure, she was yelling something about death or dying or something like that. Uh, Actually, we did speak Italian, so I'm guessing where that was dead. Yeah. Why? Why do we make this place such a maze? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never understood. I never understood why it was designed. Well, I do, but you know, it's it's charming, beautiful, but. When you're trying to find somebody, it becomes quite difficult. Or find out where they came from. It is increasingly difficult. Uh, the answer being that it was it was built around the waterways. It, oh, it, yes. it wasn't following <laughs> roads. Yeah. Um, do you want to do anything else? Or it's about uh, four four twenty. Uh, I just I guess I'd just look. Just look, look, see if I can hear anything, and if it, if I don't see anything after like twenty minutes, so well, for, I'll go for, back to my room for a little while. You could hear somewhere off in the distance what sounded like her her yelling. Uh, eventually, that stopped, and you do think that you might have heard, um. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if they do this in Italy, but you might have heard like a police whistle. Uh, but once again, way off, you wouldn't be able to sort of know where it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to track down anything here. I guess our answers may come in the newspaper tomorrow. Right. If anything is afoot. Yeah. It, it could just be a very drunk woman, though. She, she might have been distressed or something. You don't know. But it just seems too coincidental. But let's retire to our rooms for a time. Maybe we can have a, a whiskey before we go back to sleep. I I have I have a bottle lying around. Okay. So you do that and you guys are really pretty tired. You had a long train ride and yeah. you came in and wandered around all day so you you have your drink and you go back to sleep and you don't probably wake up until I don't know seven seven thirty eight what when would you guys want to be waking up are you guys early risers late risers oh late right late white riser so nine nine thirty yeah nine sounds good it's say eight forty-five, just to be a pain in the ass. So we'll say at nine thirty, you all end up downstairs in the uh, 
little cafe that's there. What are your plans for today? Do you guys talk about this? I find a newspaper straight away, just out of curiosity. I want to see if there's yeah. a newspaper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do a library. So you're looking through the... Oh, shit. I will spend six look because I have quite a bit okay. of looks. So. <laughs> All right. So you're looking through the newspaper and uh, you run across a headline uh, that seems what you're looking for. Fido, I think I spotted something. Okay. Horrific murder. Last night around 4 a.m., a young woman, Anselmo Maletti, was found by the city's night watch screaming hysterically. The, the woman had witnessed the insane murder of her fiancé, Mario Lossi, next to the Rio del Vien, near the Murano glass factory. Rossi, Murano glass factory. Rossi had been somehow impaled upon a 10-foot iron spike that was part of a surrounding fence. The man's throat had been torn out as if by a wild beast. Miss Moretti is being held by the police, and the strange and grisly murder can be explained. It's very bizarre. That is bizarre uh, indeed. This is this is the the Murano glass factory in Venice, not the Murano glass factory on the island of Murano. I'm guessing. <laughs> it's it's in Venice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because yeah, Murano's like like 45 minutes by ferry away from where. Yeah, there's no way. No. <laughs> a very convenient yeah, boat yes. ride. No, this is a large glass factory that is in, in Venice. Interesting. I see. Uh, Fyodor, it seems something was afoot last night. It seems, gentlemen, that you are lucky that you took long enough to put on your shoes and did not have your throats torn out by this wild beast. Yeah, my God. I stayed at the window and saw nothing chasing the lady. The street were quiet except for her cries and maybe some policemen's whistles. Hmm. Impaled on a fence, we have to see how high the fence was. Of course, we must assume that this is not a coincidence, given the travels we have made so far. No, I thought I said 10-foot fence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and then, so, like, to have his throat ripped out while impaled on that fence if that's what happened that'd be a, a very large creature to reach up to that height Whatever. it depends on how he fell and how long the spikes are in comparison to this fence but we'd well, have to see yeah well sounds like a place to go check out in venice that yeah. is nearly like 10 feet. That is nearly to me. I am five foot five. No, this isn't. <laughs> hold on. This isn't the first death we've heard of like this. Faccia. Faccia was also dropped onto the Duomo, and had, we do not know how his body was mangled. The police or the report said something like it was hideous. Yeah. And I told you. He did not die above Il Duomo. He died down an alley near the opera house. And I ran into it, and his body was missing only a smear of blood. 
So it seems so, as though we are talking about something that flies, yeah. Yeah, and have we been, do you think it followed us then? When were, when were those? I think that's, that? yeah, I would think that's very possible, Dr. Neruda. I mean, um, something new we had our acquisitions in the in our room you know there were those bizarre flying beasts we rode in our dreams dr neruda right but those didn't seem particularly i mean they were strange and unnerving but they didn't seem hostile on the contrary also, they were operating under the instruction of the god Nodans. If they were on here as well, they would perhaps have a different agenda. However, the one in in Milano killed Faccia, and I thought perhaps it was because of his failure to attain the torso. Does that mean that this Rossi fellow was going to try to... Possibly. We'll have to find out who's this Mariasi and his fiance were. Yeah, she might know more than uh, she realizes. While we're down here, I'm going to kind of just keep, because uh, I'm a little paranoid, look around and make sure that no one's like, you know, maybe paying attention to our conversation. No, but you do hear that some other people are talking about something similar. That and it's a terrifying thing to see in the newspaper. So there are it is on the lips of other people. How horrible. If any similar death had been noted, the newspaper piece would have mentioned this because it is so striking. Yes. Do uh, um, understanding Italian? Do do I hear any of the hotel staff sort of talking about this, or any of the? Um, no, not really. I mean, they're trying to do their jobs, and uh, um, but you do hear some of the uh, of the clients. You know, a horrible murder. You know, how can this happen? Uh, where where was the watch? Uh, yeah. What's going to happen to the poor woman? Okay, so nothing out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. You also do hear some complaints about the nasty smell. That still keeps coming up because it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. You need to look into this, I guess, to start maybe just having a peek at the glass factory, getting a little... More information about Malia Rossi, um, who he was, what he was doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, killed at the glass factory in Milan. They were killed at an auto factory. I mean, might obviously go check that out, but next time we're at the library, I might look and see, hey, are they possibly owned by the same corporation or is there some link or is it maybe just a coincidence I don't you see I would I would hazard to guess that it's something of a coincidence just because this death doesn't mirror the death at the Alfa Romeo plant 
true. It mirrors the death of Pachia, who was dropped on top of the of the of the Duomo. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I am curious uh, if if whatever if it is the same thing that has done both of these killings and it is interested in the Sedefkar pieces and can fly, it could have gone into our rooms through the windows. Very true. And it also could have had an interest in in this poor fellow, not because of his factory associations, but, but perhaps associations of wherever the piece that's in Venice is. As, as as Gunter said, there's all these old houses that people could go tour. I I would hazard the guess that if we're going to find a rare piece of art somewhere here, like the Sedefkar piece, that may be a good place to start looking. Hmm. Well, shall we press on to the factory? I'm done with my uh, breakfast. The coffee was delicious. Excellent. Uh, so you're going to head over to the, uh, the glass factory. Um, it's 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 a bit of a walk, but uh, if the woman was running, you know, you fig you can figure it's not too far. Um, you get over there and you do see evidence that the police were there, that. Uh, you know, there's an area sort of cordoned off. You do see a lot of, you know, uh, town police and some black shirts, uh, which just inevitably make you feel a little nervous in the area. Do you see the fence around the uh, around the uh, factory? And what, in fact, this fence looks like is they are iron spikes that come up out of the ground, but they curve over slightly on the top, all of them. So he would have had to have been slammed up onto that spike. Jeez. But it would, it, he would have been hanging there 10 feet above the ground. Something would have, have to thrown him up there with incredible force. I suppose they're holding the woman because although yeah. she could not possibly have put him there, she, they must assume she's part of some conspiracy. It would require, I would think, almost a catapult or a group of acrobats to launch a man up onto that from the street below. This is a, is a street or is a sidewalk? By there a is a street, yeah. This is on an eye, on one of the islands. We, we need to find her and, and somehow uh, uh, ask her what she saw. Well, she's in custody, however. Yeah. We should have brought uh, a policeman friend, an internet what? Interpol man. Yeah. The, the, the lady we heard screaming, uh, did it sound uh, like a, like natural first language Italian, or did it sound like a foreigner screaming in Italian? 
No, it it sounded like a natural or an Italian. Oh, okay, okay, darn. Young a young woman screaming. Got it. it. Yeah. Now that you know the details from the the newspaper, it was a woman who had witnessed her fiance murdered, and she just ran screaming into the night. Yeah. But she saw what happened. Probably. Yeah, yeah, we need to somehow talk to her. I, I was thinking if she might have was from one of the countries we uh, uh, are affiliated with, we might be able to have an in there, but I'm not so much here. Yeah, the newspaper used an interesting phrase, the insane murder. Yeah, it sounds like an insane to hoist a body so far up. I mean, it was either thrown up, flown up, or hooked on the ground and pulled up. I wonder if she has told the police what she saw and they do not wish to pass it on because it seems so unlikely. Possibility. Who would believe a raving madwoman? It looks bad. And it was so early in the morning that it, it, the chances of another witness are highly unlikely. What would they be doing there? It's so early in the morning, though. That was 4 a.m. we heard this. So what were they doing there at 3.30 in the morning? Yes. What, what possible reason could two lovers have to be wandering the streets of, of Venice? <laughs> yeah, but at the, at the glass <laughs> factory. No, I, I see what you're saying, but at the glass <laughs> well, factory. Well, no, but it could be true. They could, maybe the gentleman is a worker of a glass factory, has a key and decided, you know, we can have a little romantic uh, quarrel. In, in the, probably, the glass factory. You're in the other, you're in the area, so there's probably a lot of other things around as well as the glass factories. Yeah. I suppose, uh, given how complicated the street numbering here is uh, their telephone book if they have it will also be mad probably only a small percentage of the residents have telephone and so there was no way to find out what uh, oh also the name Rossi I'm sure 10% of the inhabitants of Venice are named Rossi but it would be useful to know if his home was on the other side of this Morano plant from her home or some such. Uh, well, we can go to the uh, library and uh, see if Georgie has found anything, or also if he went to school with uh, Miss, Mr. Rossi or Signora Moretti. It's a small place compared to many. I mean, anything short of Dorian using his Italian and slight psychology skills to try to fib his way into getting to talk to her as some kind of alienist, but I, I, I could I don't do think, it. I can. I don't know how kindly uh, black shirts are going to take to uh, to foreigners trying to. Dr. Dabrowski, we do speak fluent Italian. We might. Yes, be, I am very. We could, I could use we with Theodore's assistant. I speak little Italian. I can try to bail you out after they have you arrested. 
Yes, me, me and Theodore can go. Theodore could be my assistant, and uh, yeah. I was I was joking. I don't think you should. I mean, <laughs> I know Naluda, but it isn't uh, important. It's not an implausible uh, solution. It's considering the black shirts, they might just e- e- deport you. That is true, but it is worth to keep it in case you never. Know. So one part of that that makes sense is they they might suspect that the woman is, ma- is mad given that what exactly. she describes must be impossible. But that does not mean they want strangers butting in on the investigation. That's true. But it's uh, worth to keep in mind, just in case. I never know. Maybe we could find out in their local phone books where she lives because it used to be pretty common to have like an address associated with a phone number and then when they release her if they do chances are they will because they probably won't find anything on her we could then talk to her then we just might have to wait an extra day or so that is true unmarried woman she probably lives with her family, and there are probably fewer Moretti's than there are Rossi's, but still, I don't know what the chances are. Well, let us see if we can find the telephone book. Seems yeah, there's a- probably 50 or 60 of them in the in the telephone book, so you have no and idea. And with Moretti's as well. Moretti and Rossi yeah. are very common names. Last names, anyway. Um, does Italy have, like, like, it's just of asylums like if if they really think this i mean we've seen plenty of things to get us locked up in the madhouse if we said anything about them i mean if she was witness to something would they ship her off somewhere well, it's, a, it's a fairly famous prison here in uh, venice so there's probably some insane asylums maybe on the edge maybe on the maybe on the uh the shore of the yeah, we could visit the famous Bridge of Sighs and see if we happen to be there when they walk her over to lock her up forever. Excuse me, may we have an interview, please? <laughs> now that's a crazy idea, Lord. <laughs> now that's a crazy Jackpot schemes. Yes. Well, I think we can talk to Georgie and perhaps something else will come up. All right. True indeed. So you you make your way back over to the Bibliotheca Marciana, and um, you find Giorgio, and he's like, "Oh, Signores, it's it's very difficult the task you've given me to see what I can find." I'll tell you that, uh, um, you know, Napoleon, when he and his troops came into the city, uh, they were shamelessly welcomed by the uh, Venetian Senate. They uh, didn't want to cause any problems or have any difficulties. So the uh, his troops moved in. They garrisoned in the city. Um, they brought things with them. Uh, Napoleon decided to reform, you know, the city laws and things like that. He had, he closed monasteries. He, uh, he, you know, looted them. He had all of these things that that he had been dragged. Uh, um, there was 
great difficult time. So there's there is a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of stuff from the soldiers and from you know that whole thing. But uh, it's it's all very confused with um, with so many other things. There was a plague going on at the time. Um, people were having difficulties. It was some sort of disease running rampant in the city that nobody seems to be able to identify. Um, what kind of dis- like? Well, what malady. I I saw a paper on it. I, I didn't pull that, but it was. It seemed like there was some sort of an arthritis attack. Um, uh, a great many people were complaining about uh, inability to uh, walk. Huh. Um, it it was uh, it was uh, like an epidemic, and they were never able to identify what it was. I wonder. Yeah, Georgie, oh, I uh, appreciate that didn't seem to be of interest, but I think it very much might fit into a pattern we have seen. Oh, well, maybe I can find you some documentation on that sort of thing. Oh, much appreciated if you can. Which, um, did, it, did did the did the uh, severe arthritis just affect one particular area of the people? I think that the um, the locals, uh, I mean, the physicians all seem to consider it that it was some sort of an outbreak. Um, of course, they didn't really understand very well the way. You know, modern medicine does what was going on, but there's also a large part of the population that thought it was witchcraft mm. and that somebody had brought some evil curse on them. Um, there's quite a lot of documentation from right right at that period, and I can see what I can find for you. Yes, this is of interest, in fact. Okay, it seemed- well, <laughs> now you also mentioned, um. I, I did you mention uh, records from uh, Mary Celeste? Yeah, we asked the, him to try to locate a document, the, uh, the image date, the Oblio. Uh He says, I think I may have found an area where those things were stored. Uh, uh, it's something that I found a catalog for. It says the Santa Maria Celeste collection. Mm. Yes. So I can, once I've located that, we can, uh, I can gain access. If it's, un, if it's uncatalogued, I might be able to get you in there. So that uh, if it's uncatalogued, they probably don't think anything is of any great value. But to you, the documents that you're looking for might be in there. Yeah, that's also very good work. Did you happen on your way here to hear about the unusual death that happened? Oh, in the news this morning. That's horrible. Uh, I feel very... We actually were... uh, Some of us were awakened by this young uh, woman. Oh, you you heard it. We heard her run down across a bridge and down the street crying, weren't they? But when uh, my friends got downstairs, they could find they could find nothing of her. Do you know the family? Is she? 
I don't know them at all. Uh, but um, I do have a college friend who said that his uh, cousin is on the police force. And he told him that it wasn't just um, what was reported in the paper, that there was more to it than that. Um, but that the woman was uh, lost her mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and he leans forward and looks around quietly and sort of leans in and he says, he said that apparently she chewed her own tongue off and kept screaming about the devil, the devil. Oh, this is very tragic. Yes, they're going to institutionalize her. It's well, a very a horrible tragedy. It is horrible indeed. Very, but it's the best place for her, I guess. Keep her safe from herself and others. I mean, who can guess what she saw? Well, this is the thing. Uh, unless she is the... Uh, uh, a member of one of you know the famous families who goes to, to such lengths to murder off their relatives in this great city over the centuries. She has masterminded a completely impossible murder, his body being mutilated the way it was and pushed so high and so on. But if she is tongueless, then I think she is not a Borgia mastermind, but the victim of some terrible event. Indeed, I mean... I, if you're going to murder somebody, you're going to want to get away with the murder and not run screaming that the murder has occurred. Well, Dr. Dabrowski, you've, you've worked with some individuals before with uh, extreme mental trauma before, haven't you? Yes, in my brief uh, studies and work, yes. Wonder. Um, the, the brain's fickle um it can sometimes manifest itself in different ways depending on what you have seen um so if she, she has seen something horrific it doesn't have to be and it could just be how he died it can trigger things and it can lead to uh the biting of tongues off or the ripping of skin there's loads of different cases about that but too bad. Uh, that some people rip their fingernails off. It's a horrific thing. There must be some way to find her family because you might be able to help her, actually. If only we knew how to be able to do such a thing. And I'm saying this out loud in front of, uh, yeah, maybe. George, George yes, as well. I'm I sure that she'll, she'll be taken care of. Yes. It's difficult to. I mean, she, if it's true that she's chewed her own tongue off, it's going to be awfully difficult to have a conversation. Yes, and I'm going to be honest, the way of helping her will be to just put her in a padded cell and throw away the key, sadly. Great. No, I, I'm, that Great. is how most... 1920s I mental health. 
I wouldn't do that personally, but that is how most institutions do, especially if they don't know how to help a person. She has ripped out her own tongue. They might try other methods, but most likely they will just throw her in a padded cell, throw away the key and won't even help her, and she will just not see the light of day again, sadly. Is there a madhouse on the in the lagoon of Venice itself, or does she have to go to the mainland for this? I don't actually know the answer. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the, the, the answer is I actually think there is one on the outskirts of Venice. There, like there you probably said. is. Yeah. But, I mean, um, she's going to be... I mean, this, this happened less than 24 hours ago, and she's, you know, removed her own tongue, so I don't think she's going to be in any state of mind to discuss what she saw anytime soon. So I don't know if pursuing an interview with her is worth our time. Even if something heals inside her mouth, she might only be saying the avowal for the rest of her life. It is a strange time indeed. Well, gentlemen, I will begin my research, more research, and uh, maybe check with me in the afternoon. See what I can find. I think I know where some of that information is. Just for clarification, uh, she was she will probably be sent to San Savolo, which is an, a mental institution just outside of Venice. It's an island. <laughs> there you go. You're very knowledgeable about Venice, and it's ah <laughs> uh, yes, it's almost as if you had some sort of thing that just told you the <laughs> I, answers. I. <laughs> I am very knowledgeable in the uh, the men of the. Did you aliens. did you check to make sure that that asylum has been built yet? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. It actually it it will be turned into a museum in 1978. But oh, we're okay. a little bit away. <laughs> I'm going to make a Maybe stand for all there. Dorian's prophesying. <laughs> uh, I have become much more open-minded recently, but this prophesying of 55 <laughs> years of the future is pretty far from being. So, right. George, if you were uh, a, a group of curious visitors to uh, Venice for the first time collectively, if not individually, uh, what do you, would you recommend we go to see while you spend a few hours sticking up this material? Well, have you seen the, uh, the, the church, St. Marcos? Yeah, we have been just next door, but we have not visited it itself. Got no? the Doge's Palace. Um, you've got this library. You've got uh, there's so many things to see. Bridges and you know, take yourselves a little boat ride up and down the canals and and see what you can. You are a native, yes, Georgia. See, yes. Now, I understand that the fowler waters happen in the winter. Uh, is it usually this rough or this lengthy? It is very sluggish right now. The problem is when the founding fathers created the city, they didn't know anything about the tides and the way they would flow in and flow out. And they created a kind of giant stagnant trap uh, it it tends to get caught in here and smell pretty bad, and then they'll, we'll have a good high tide and 
and the water will be replaced by fresh water, well, it's salt water, but it's, it's fresh salt water. Um, and then the smell will go away. But we, we, we natives get kind of used to it. But I will tell you that it smells pretty bad right now. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for that. It is what it is. I shall look at, uh, I didn't notice the moon last night, but uh, I shall see about the tides. It might become fresh soon. Indeed. Uh, I wouldn't go swimming. <laughs> I think, I think. Uh, I don't know this for sure, but I think the sewage ends up going into it too. So. But um, don't look at the water. Look at the buildings. They're much prettier. And we'll see this afternoon. And so he goes off. What do you guys want to do? I think we should uh, go to the uh, church. Uh, when I was down in the bar, uh, that was the first place that someone mentioned. It must be very beautiful. And churches for repositories for history. So maybe we'll have some luck there. All right. It's not that far. It's just across the plaza. Um. So I, I think I showed you a picture of the outside, which I'll show you again. There's the outside of San Marcos. And uh, as you approach it, um, you go in through the front, and the inside of it is gold with icons painted all over it, all in mosaic. So it, it sort of sparkles in the light. Um, it's built in the traditional Byzantine style. And so its layout is more or less like a large fat cross with the, uh, the altar on this side and uh, the, where you're coming in is over here, the narthex. Um, traditionally, churches are built with the altar facing east towards the rising sun. And then there are side chapels and little side chapels and little cubbies with icons. And uh, it is spectacular. And it's in pretty good condition. You know, um, all the all the wealth of the city was a lot of it was placed into the gold and the work and the, the mosaics are beyond anything. I mean, they're so intricate. And yet they're 50 feet away from you in the ceiling. It's just so beautiful. Um, there are quite a bit of tourists looking around in the church as well. And you probably spend a couple of hours. Yeah, I'll do a couple of watercolor uh, sketches of some other interesting, uncommon figures. Also, I note that the the mosaic gold is much glintier. If they had painted or even gold leafed it, it would go flat. But every if you move even a small bit, the reflection is very different. They would uh, take one layer of glass, and then they would put gold leaf on it, and then they would put another layer of glass on the top of it and fuse it together, and then cut little tiny squares and put those all so yeah it does it shimmers it stays forever shiny 
All right. And then yeah, so you spent a few hours doing that. Um, what else are you going to do today? It, we're right across from the Doge's Palace. The there's, Doge's a, Palace. there's a large uh, library there. I'm wondering if... Uh, actually, nah. That library front's been covered. Well, I don't have pictures of the Doge's Palace, but uh, you can definitely look at the Doge's Palace, kill a few hours doing that. Um, I imagine it is spectacular as well. Um, it is built very much the way a lot of the palaces are built in that it's a large rectangle and there's a big rectangular central courtyard. So these things can be three to five stories high and you go around and around and up the stairs and around and up the stairs and around. Uh, quite For lavish. Me, between the Basilica and the Campo Ducale, I'm going to go up and see if... Uh, my room is intact. Okay. Like I wanted to add, add to that, though, that there's also a lot of companies, which are towers that you can see all throughout the city that rise up above the city. Okay, there's so you're going to go... Yes. What's that? Bell towers, yes. A lot of them have bell towers. A lot of them have clocks. A lot of times the clocks don't face out into the city. They face into the the center of the Campanile. They built their clock towers for themselves, not for the rest of the town. Um, all right, so you're going to go back to your room, maybe freshen up? Yeah, see if everything is in order. Okay. Do a luck roll. Mm -hmm. you're, you're by yourself? Uh -huh. That is not a successful roll. Um, are the rest of you with them? Are you going to go up and check your rooms as well? You know, it's... Sure. Yeah, paranoia. Uh, yeah, probably right. a good idea. Stick together. Don't get lost. Um, okay, well, I'll just... We'll just go on that luck roll. Um, as far as you can see, without tearing your whole room apart, everything seems to be like the way you left it. Okay. Except that your beds are made. Okay. So the maids did come on. The uh, the ruby heart is in the sock drawer inside the handkerchief. It's right where you left it, yeah. The chair is in front of the wardrobe where I left the trunk mm -hmm. that has the torso in. Yes. That is as far as I would probably look. Okay. The same is for everybody. Everything is where you, you placed it. Excellent. Um, you guys you know, do an afternoon freshen up. And uh, then are you going to head back over to the library, All right, Giorgio. I'm keeping note of how long we were gone when the pieces were moved the first time. Okay. And we, I, a rough experiment. So we were gone we, maybe six hours after we checked in before we found the pieces moved. And then last night we checked them after only a couple of hours and they were okay. And then today I waited four hours maybe so i'm trying to make a little chart in my notebook about if there's a breaking point okay hmm. all right so you return to the library and uh you, you find giorgio at his desk he's sitting there doing some research and he looks up and he's like oh 
excellent. You've returned. I don't know how interested you're going to be in this, but this seemed at least a bit rel uh, rel related to what you were talking about. Um, I found a an official report uh, from a Captain Dubois. Let me show this to you. Official report summary, Captain Dubois, 16 November, 1797. Sir, regarding the disturbances of the last three days, I must report that on the 13th November, an unruly mob of Venetians gathered at San, San Marco barracks gates. They defied my request to disperse. The reason they gave was that they wanted me to deliver one of my privates, Jean Boucher, to their hands. They claimed that he had caused this grievous plague that afflicts Venice by evil arts. They seemed to genuinely believe the superstitious nonsense. Defying my direct command to depart, they attempted to storm the barracks and seize Boucher. I ordered the men under my command to fire. The first volley was directed over the heads of the mob. No second volley was required as the crowd then dispersed. I will then I then put the district under curfew. I interviewed Beauchere and found him a docile soul of low intelligence and little enterprise. The only loot he has been able to gather on our glorious march across Europe is an odd porcelain leg. Boucher seems to think it a prize, although I doubt any other man under my command would think so. The next day, a delegation of prominent Venetians of the district visited me and again requested Boucher be tried for witchcraft. I imprisoned them all as the ringleaders of the mob. There, the matter rests. There will be no further such unrest in the district under my command. On the 15th of November, that event occurred, which I had to described to you privately. I deal with this matter in detail in my personal documents as not fitting for the subject of an official report. There is an annotation from a senior officer, Major Hotmont, com commending his prompt action and dispersing the mob without bloodshed. Hmm. It would be very good to find the other documentation he spoke of outside of that report. Yes, sir. And I've been trying to find it. Uh, there is a lot of uh, such things, personal effects of the soldiers, but I think I might be able to find it eventually. If it still exists, we assume that. And prior uh, in these circumstances is easily damaged. So, so I'm just verifying uh, this uh, Cap Captain Dubois and the private Jean Boucher, they were part of the Napoleonic uh, force, yes? The Correct, system? yes. This was and the Republic was uh, dissolved by Napoleon, and they were in. Yes, uh, they were. The well, they were word. garrisoned here. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now, and he reaches into his pocket, and he sort of looks for it, and uh, he hands you each a little badge uh, that says, you know, uh, assistant or something like that on it. And he says, I know where the, uh, the collection is located. Uh, there is a room downstairs. I can take you. 
but uh, at the moment you are working as assistants for me, I can get you into that part of the uh, thing. There's quite a lot of stuff in there. You might need some time mm-hmm. to look through it. Um, Very good, Senor Giorgio. We are at your service. And so he takes you uh, down some winding stairs and uh, into a uh, level that uh, uh, you you know that you're on an island, so it's not it's solid underneath ground. It has been built down into it. Um, he takes you along a corridor and then to a final room. As he opens it up, there are quite a few documents, uh, boxes with things in it. Uh, there are books. There are all sorts of things. There is the hint of um, fire damage to some of it in the room. You know, you can smell that sort of smoky smell, musty smell. But he says, I can... Uh, I can assist you, or I can go back and continue to look and, and leave you here. Um, be careful with things. Wear gloves. He gives you all white gloves. Um, I don't think most of this is important, um, and probably the uh, higher officials don't think it's that important either, because otherwise they would have done something with it. Yeah, and a city as old as this accumulates quite a number of things over the centuries. Uh, oh, perhaps we will look on our own, and you can make sure no one comes down the stairs to arrest us. Okay. And if we, <laughs> we find the documents that we can't understand, we will set them aside for you to help us with. If anyone comes in and asks, you are assisting me in my research. You're all being paid handsomely by the uh, people who've hired us. And uh, I just don't have the time to go through all of this part of the research, so they I won't really know any difference. Talking. Grazie. When our Italian and French might come in handy here. And so off he goes. Our Latin. Oh, I know. Do you know any Latin? Nope, just Italian. I, I, I have Latin. Time to start looking, looking through some old documents. All right, so we'll we'll shorten this up. You uh, you can do a do a, see do a group luck roll. I have fifty seven luck. I have fifty two. Fifty six on my end, and then mine is uh oh yeah, mine's way too high. I have 54. 70. So it is me. Ho, ho, ho. Gentlemen, I have coughed and scattered dust everywhere. No. No, it's nothing. 93. Uh, do, do a run D4. Four. I assume that's the best outcome. That's going to be four <laughs> hours of looking through this. Uh, four years of searching. Yeah. Four years later, nineteen twenty-seven rolls around. Um, all right. So you're doing. You, you you've been working all day. You've. Uh, we'll say after a couple of hours. Um, 
Giorgio comes down to check on you and brings you some very nice sandwiches. Hmm. Um, and he's like, you know, any luck? And you, you haven't found any luck yet. But after another couple of hours, so it's been four hours. Um, let's see. Let's have you all do luck. Let's have you all do luck rolls. Who gets the best best win? Ooh. That's uh, 76 is big. I passed by seven points. I got 49 out of 56. 58 is a fail. I pass by 32 points. Oh, no, pardon me. Oh, 50, yeah. That's uh, really 40, good. 42 points. So, Theodore, uh, you have been going through boxes and things, and you've been, you know, sort of getting getting weary and you're you're sitting there sort of leaning on a stack of things and you're you're sifting through them and going along and you get you know a little bit of a cramp in your arm which alarms you you don't know why you've suddenly got a cramp in your arm but in the process you look down and the book that is under your elbow is this oh my goodness look right here it is Le Maginita del Diabolo. Del Diabolo. That's and nice. when you glance inside, it is not written in Latin. Uh, it is, well, sort of Latin, but it's closer to Ven- a- a old Venetian Italian. Um, so if you know Italian, you might be able to wend your way through it, but it's going to take some research and time. See. Si to go through it. I am fluent in Italian. It seems to be an account written sometime in the 13th century. Oh, old Italian. Um, and you've got it in your hand. My friends, uh, it is well into the afternoon at this point. Uh, I suggest that... Um, we wrap that up in this uh, useful satchels that I have in the second pocket. And then we bring up to Giorgio a few interesting pieces of paper that we find now to ask him to translate for us for tomorrow. I don't think, I, I, I think it is probably best that this is not even left in this library. Agreed. We should pour over this in our rooms tonight. Okay. Put uh, extra coffee. Mm. Yeah, you will realize that it's going to take you more than a few hours of pouring over. It's very difficult. Perhaps but... the next time we're on the Orient Express, we could tackle this <laughs> manuscript. <laughs> yes, that's probably a good idea. There's very good coffee served there. Not mm. that the coffee here in Venezia is disappointing. All right. We can say that you work on it, but you're you're writing it out and to make sure you understand it before you jump to that scenario. <laughs> All right. So you go up back upstairs, and Giorgio has uh, said, "Though you found something." And do we have a handful of papers, something with any of the names we have heard, and the sort of thing, something plausible. He uh, he says, "Well, they're interesting, but I did find, I did find the journal." Oh, um, 
Uh, yes, it was it was buried quite deeply. But uh, once I had you know Captain uh, Dubois's name, I just scanned and looked through to see what I could find with him on it. Um, this is what I found, and he hands this little volume to you. Of course, you're all still wearing white gloves. The Journal of Captain Dubois, 15 November 1797. Returned home last night, the 14th, most satisfied with my actions in dispelling the riot. As Voltaire said, I have only ever made one prayer to God, a very short one. O Lord, make my enemies ridiculous. And God granted it. It was very satisfying to see the looks on the, those full Venetian faces as they were bundled off to prison. I hope their visit teaches them the comparative values of reason and superstition. At home, I found my sweet Vivienne struck by the plague. The poor little girl is as good as any of my soldiers, but her leg has crippled and twisted overnight. She is only two years old. She should not be thus afflicted. I returned to the prison and questioned the delegation leaders. They told me to talk to Boucher. So I questioned him again last, late last night. I also poured over that strange artificial limb he so prizes. My own leg ached as I handled it and aches to this moment. Question, is it that the mere sight of this truncated limb in porcelain stirred some vestigial memory in my agitated mind so that it felt as if my own left leg were amputated? I took the leg from Boucher and tried to break it. It would not break. I tried to burn it. It would not burn. It is not porcelain, but some strange unyielding substance that not even diamond will mark. That damn delegation was right. It is something evil, although I defend Boucher. He did not know he has merely carried it here. I am not going to admit my mistake to those Italian fools. I realized what to do at last. The idea was so fitting that I burst out into a loud laugh. Last night I placed that cursed leg in secret within the San Marco Basilica, within the reliquary in the chapel of Saint Isidoro next to his holy bones. To my delight this morning, my dear little Vivienne has recovered. She is as bright as ever. Today I hear from the medical staff too that the plague is steadily abating in virulence. I have given orders that the, that the delegation be quietly released. That fool Boucher waylaid me this afternoon. He wants compensation for his prize. Such a ridiculous request will remain unfulfilled. His prize was a terrible curse, and God knows I have saved us from it. I know, uh, Theodore, you, like your friend Dr. York, are prone to overtip the staff, but... Giorgio is going to get a nice tip. Yeah. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, good. Um, excellent, excellent work. Is this leg the thing that you're looking for? You said some, some artifact. Yeah, it might be. It is. It could be what we're after. It's consistent with the artifacts that we are seeking, yeah. I will see if I can find more information on uh, this uh, leg. There, yeah. yeah. Question for you, Tom. Mm -hmm. I, 
I, as a player, I'm not familiar with Catholicism or religions that have reliquaries. Okay. But Dr. Deruda would. So I'm just curious, are reliquaries like clergy only? Um, things I'm assuming <laughs> the relics, um, the Catholic Church is built on the relics of saints. So, in order to have an altar, you have to have the relics of saints underneath it, and they're usually kept that's usually bones. Um, sometimes it's you know dried up, desiccated, severed body parts, but um, they're usually kept in ornate boxes. Uh, but they're not, they're not like just under altars they're also usually if they're famous they'll be in chapels and uh in places where the the catholics can come up and uh, show them veneration and kiss them and and go on they're kissing the box usually not the, the actual so, bone and these are also often made of gold and ivory and the boxes are usually very yeah, kings so and princes and things like that donated it's very valuable and uh, well protected so just so i can understand so the reliquary would be the box or would the reliquary be a small room that the box would be put in it would be a box that the oh, uh, so it's the actual container in, yeah oh. And they they can be you know fairly large depending. So basically, this this captain is saying he opened up that relic box and has placed a leg inside of it and then closed it. Yeah, this is right here, right in San Marco Basilica. This is oh. San Mark. Saint, they went uh, to the Holy Land to retrieve the relics of the Saint Mark of the disciples. That's because yeah. We needed a. They needed a major relic to have a major church, to have a major city. So Venice is founded on this basilica. And even if the Saint Isidoro is a minor figure, uh, we are privately discussing a very serious offense oh. against very considerable logistical issues. Well, it's, it's, the, it's a specific chapel, though, within the yeah. chapel itself. The, yeah, the Isidoro. Side chapel for a minor saint, this might help us a bit. We will have to be very careful, however. Um, I'm so, sure we saved a, a little map from our original tour there, right? Did they, could we look on that map for to see like where the little chapels are? Would they be labeled, hopefully, on that map? Uh, do a luck roll. All righty. That's right. You do it. Yep. Success. 49 out of okay. 7. Normally, these sort of maps would just have the major areas of the church labeled, but this one does have names for a lot of these little chapels. There is one little chapel kind of on the south, not the south, yeah, the south end of the church. Uh, it's, you know, through a door and around a corner and a little bit, a little tiny rectangle, and it says Isotoro. Oh, right here. Ooh, on the, on the, on the ocean side. On the seaside. Ooh, nice. This is right, right here, guys. Look. Yeah, I think we have a good dinner tonight, and then we have some planning to do. Once we find out whether the pieces have already escaped their cells again. Find out when the 
when it closes for tours. I, I assume you're not talking about this in front of Giorgio. Correct. Oh, no, <laughs> All the questions you had about relics, though, he would have been able to answer those. Sir. Right. Well, I was saying. Yeah, you already know. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have to ask anybody. My character wouldn't. I do because I make these things. When, when's the last tour? Be very interested to get in and on that last tour. I don't. They, I mean, it's a functioning, right? Church, it's a functioning it? church. I like don't think they do anything at night. Probably vespers, four o'clock. They stop the tours. I could. I could attend. Let's I, let's I, put I, put it this way: It's a huge church yeah. with a thousand hiding places. <laughs> yes. So yeah. my my idea is if I if I show up for a mass and just wander off, you know, go go to this little chapel. I think the biggest problem is that you are looking to remove something the size of a human leg. Well, if this it's a side chapel, depending on where it is, if it has. A window, and somebody runs a boat, and huh? you row there. We pass the leg out the window. <laughs> yeah, the lower. The one thing we know for certain is that we can't break it accidentally. That's helpful. although dropping it into the into the muck would be uh, unfortunate. But... Not, I would not want to try to get into the lagoon with a uh, holding my breath. No, many diseases. Well, I used to do a uh, an amputation trick on my stage show where you could uh, you would have a false limb and it would look like the it would look like I chopped off the limb. I could maybe rig up something if we the windows don't open where maybe we could that's kind a, of get it out. That's obviously the uh, live be, performance. Yeah, yeah. And your smoke in your mirrors. Yeah, the thigh with it being the thigh would make it much harder. If it's just to the knee, it'd be uh, uh, much easier. But brilliant, brilliant. Your best trick of all. Going through. Right. So, so Giorgio, yes, your work has been very excellent. Um, anything else about this plague uh, would be interesting because it is a exactly the sort of anomaly we were hoping to connect to this chain of events. And again, we have this handful of documents if you could give a rough translation of. And uh, of course. Is the, is the, uh, do you have the complete Dubois uh, journal? I've got this. It doesn't look like it's complete, but... Uh, if uh, anything else, is, I find, I imagine as a local, you find also his hypocrisy somewhat amusing that he was willing to put all these men through these sufferings. Uh, if there's anything else about uh, Private Jean Boucher in his papers or in documents, perhaps he was buried here if things didn't go out for him and so on, that would be I of interest. Will, I will look through all the all the available stuff, see what I can find. Your, your efficiency is, is uh, remarkable and much appreciated. All right. So what's your next what would you like to do? Well, what are we going to say? It's probably about five. So it's late afternoon. The well, sun's 
getting close to horizon. It is winter. And it's a Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this wouldn't hurt to go by the church just to see what we're working with. And the church is right by our hotel, is it not? Yes. Yes. We can do as they say in the American movies and case the joint. Mm, Yes. Yeah, we should go in in interest of paranoia, go check our rooms again as we are wont to do, and then go find this now. Because I mean, once we get this leg, I mean get away, get away clean with it, then we should really just pack up and head back to the Orient Express, don't you think? We have the book. We have the once we get the piece, you know, we should leave. We think that the book Oh yeah, we believe the book is a, is the document we seek is in the book, the uh Diablo, yeah. Unless I'm missing, unless I'm forgetting about something else. Um say, say what you said again. In we in Venice, we were looking for the image the Dab right. Diablo, which we have now. Correct. And the Sedefkar piece which we Correct. think we know where it is now okay i can't remember if there was a third thing oh. in venice or those really well, that was it that's what i'm asking. yeah yeah i don't think so i can't remember you can look at your original notes um the uh i thought you said there's... something about that the, the book containing something there's um, there's like the scrolls so the scroll of the body Scroll the legs, scroll Correct. the left hand, scroll the yeah. As leg. far as you know, the uh, the Imagini del Diablo, you first heard about it when you were in, in uh, London at the library, that there it seemed to say there was a reference to the Sedefkar simulacrum inside that book. That's the only really reason I'm trying to find it. So um, the scrolls you haven't run across. Well, you've got one. We've got the scroll of the head. We don't know where the rest are, but I don't. We didn't have any indication that they were in Venice. So once we get the leg, I think we should depart as soon as possible. So there's a small question for me of whether we have to consider the Salzburg route or whether that is a return toward London affair. But we must bring the entirety of the pieces to Istanbul. So maybe we want to do everything before we get that far east. It's to be considered. I think that that's what we would want to do. I mean, once we get to Turkey, you know, if we get to Istanbul, you know, and we don't have all the pieces, we would have to take the pieces back anyway. We couldn't leave them in Istanbul. The only the only thing mentioned by Smythe uh, were were cities along this particular route. What he's looking for is probably additional material if he can find it. Mm. So perhaps if our our little heist goes well, we'll be on the train again very soon. So see Trieste and Sophia I see as other... Trieste would be the next place after this. Excellent. All right, so you guys said you're going to return to your rooms to clean up. See if everything's um, intact. You, uh, everything is exactly as you left it. Um, you uh, 
Uh, well, did you say you were going to go to the church and look around? All right. Because you head to the church. Um, the church, as the evening comes on, is uh, is the main areas of it are fairly well lit because the sun goes down in the west, of course, and the west is now the front end, well, what you would consider the front end of the church. Um, uh, it's all lit up, all that gold is beautiful and shiny in the, in the sunlight. Um, the main body of the church is, is fairly well lit. There are candles, of course, and, and uh, I'm not sure they have electricity, at least not, not then. But um, these little side chapels are tiny, and they're, they're usually only lit by a few candles that people have placed in there. Um, but based on the map that Theodore found, um, you walk over towards the, uh, the, the chapel, uh, and it's just a little archway leading off of the main, the side area, and then, uh, and then it makes a sharp uh, east turn, and the room is small, rectangular, um, maybe about 40 feet long going forward but only maybe about 15 feet wide. It has a domed, see, not domed, but an arched ceiling going all the way with icons all over it. I'll show you a picture, but what, uh, why don't you do spot hidden for me so you can into it. Thirty is a hard success. Okay. Well, those of you who pass, I can just that way. Those of you who pass, look up at one of the icons on the side, and it shows poor Saint Isidore being dragged by his legs as his skin is being ripped off of his body. Hmm. Well, that that has some disturbing thematic resonance. The legs uh, losing one skin. The little altar on the the it's 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 maybe you know ten feet wide and two feet thick, but there is a large sarcophagus-like structure on the top of that. Uh, it looks like it's behind the cross and behind those things. It looks like it's made out of marble. That is the reliquary. There's actually a statue of the saint on top of it. Looks like it'll be heavy. Obviously, if the one policeman could manage to get it open, right? Maybe he opened right. it and pushed the thing in and then closed it. There are still people in the church walking about. So, you know, we have to plan a bit. The interesting also is that immediately uh, when this Captain Dubois tucked the piece into this reliquary, there were such recoveries. So we have some idea of containment for the individual pieces, but we obviously can't go on to Constantinople with uh, a, a number of giant marble cases. Each each artifact has had a dangerous effect on those 
local to it, but very different ones. The spots on the arms were very unlike the lung sicknesses in the opera, which is different from the giant rash of leg deformities hundreds of years ago. Dorian and Gunter, when he's talking about the leg and the arm, I mean, that, sorry, the, the chest and the arm, your chest hurts, your arm hurts. Ugh. Yes. <sighs> so what do you want to do? Do you want okay, to so the, make some plans? There, yes. Is there a window in this chapel? There is not. There is not. So I think what we could do, if one or two of us wait here until everybody leaves for the night at the chapel and then we take take the leg and go. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better plan than that of just I'm just curious if we are currently in a position to secrete it on our persons without causing a disturbance. If anything were noticed, I think the black shirts would be here in a very short time and make it rough for us. So maybe we come back with a prepared coat or some other vessel for transporting. We can estimate the size pretty closely. I could also... Uh, my my family, as the, the Thursby Philanthropic Organization, I could maybe go to a, a senior member here at this church and mention uh, maybe a sizable donation for the upkeep of this place. Which I, would be I would be hesitant to do that just because that associates your name. And if things go... I mean, the hope is nobody knows that the leg was even here to begin with. Well, the thing is that yeah, what they attention to ourselves is exactly. But this this would be my idea, not to be the one taking it, but to be one nearby. And if anyone is about to discover you, I could then come out and say, "Oh, I, I'm um, Thurston Thursby." here to to uh discuss this uh to discuss this matter uh, i mentioned earlier in the day that i'd come by later in the evening so i could do that now and then use that as a very good distraction because if if say i was going to offer ten thousand lira or or you know fifty thousand lira um that might really catch their attention they wouldn't want to disregard such an offer but i wouldn't be directly involved in taking it but then i mean that's uh, let me give you a little bit of fuel on that is it's not likely naruto would know this it's not likely that they lock up the church uh it's likely that there are people here at all hours of the night people come here to pray people do all that uh getting into the church and out of the church might not be that difficult and it's not just the one door. There's other ways in and out of the church. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to have like but a little backup some, yeah. cover. You'd need we, some planning. Need yeah. See, the, the, the complication is that the object we want to remove is large. 
But the other side of it is that it is nothing like a bone of a saint from a thousand years ago. Okay. It is a weird so, art object. It's just I, what would we carry it around with us? It is winter. Idea. You'll have long coats. So yeah. yeah, winter. There's long coats. Somebody could pose as a lost tourist at night wandering around the cathedral grounds we pop out a side door with the leg we pop it into a trunk go to the hotel there's yeah i don't even think we need a trunk we need a loose coat a little organization and maybe three parties in the isidore's little chapelet to make sure that they are alone and two lift up the barbell and one tucks the leg under the Elbows. So we have one person. We have one person wait outside the cathedral. One person wait outside the chapel. Two people to move the the lid, take the leg, replace the lid, and then and off we go. go. And we have still nothing from the church. Even if they stopped us at the door, they would we would say, "Ah, I brought in this strange leg." Because my who wouldn't stop us? Who would stop us at the door? No, I don't think anybody would. But even if they had, again, we are not stealing our relic. We're stealing this thing that they, we assume, do not know is there. If right. it is still there, mm-hmm. and people are not, or, yeah. Anyway, excellent. Maybe Gunther. Maybe you might be part of the team that's actually taking it, since you. Yeah, I would think so. I'm. Pr- I'm best at kind of. All right. So the people we could also to... enter separately. So like one person will go in 15 minutes later, another person will go in. Are you all planning this inside of no the, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, we've gone out. Yeah, we've you've left. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, so you're gonna you're planning all this back in your yeah. uh, yes. room. In Italian, loudly in front of the black shirts. <laughs> right. Um you're probably having dinner as well. Uh, making your plans. Uh, Dr. Kurz, as you are sitting there discussing this quietly, uh, and you look over at a newspaper, um, there's a name in the newspaper that suddenly catches your attention. Uh, You pick up the newspaper and you begin to read it, and the rest of you notice a large smile coming across Dr. Curtis's face. And then he reads it to you. Death of an arms dealer. Dazzling bequest to charity, puzzling last words of millionaire. It is this paper's sad duty to report that the millionaire, Mr. Ivan M. Karakov, died in his Monte Carlo Via the day before yesterday. Doctors said that his heart had been failing for some time and finally gave out. Mr. Karakov made his money in munition sales. He was reputed to secretly control a vast web of subsidiary companies so that many countries, in thinking they were selecting between rivals or in fact choosing between two companies controlled by Mr. Karakov himself. Such was his wealth that he was once reputed to have gained one pound sterling for every soldier killed in the Great War. On his deathbed, Mr. Karakov changed his will, bequeathing his vast estate and the bulk of his financial holdings 
in excess of 14 million pounds to various charities, including the London Charity Organization Society and both the British and American Red Cross. When asked why he had changed his mind, the dying man gave a cryptic answer. It was all thanks to my friends on the train. His heirs planned to challenge the new will on the grounds of insanity. Thank God. I'm glad and to see he found peace. It is good news. And uh, Neruda and I will have to send some dream lawyers over to That's keep right. to keep the will keep the heirs in place. In yes. Really good news. Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gasway, Stuart Lipley, Keith Craig, and Josh Harwood. With yours truly as the keeper of the secrets, we have a Discord server where you can chat with other members, you can set up private games, and you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. <laughs>